Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. This was going to be a hockey-centric podcast and then the coil had to go screw it all up. <laughs> Tom, Gopher Nation. What's hockey? And you street. Hey, y'all. Yeah, well, it, it was. We were very much going to be doing a very hockey-focused podcast, and then, you know, <laughs> Johnson got hired. So I'm going to – I want to turn it over to uh, – we've all heard from Tom. He's been the kind of the voice of the coaching process. I'm going to turn it to Street first. Um, really, what's your initial impression of this hire as a decision by Mark Coyle? My initial impression – or two initial impressions – Impression number one, this is a high-risk hire. It doesn't mean it's a bad hire. It just means it's a high-risk hire. And it's a high-risk hire because Ben Johnson has never been a head coach at any level of college basketball. That's why it's a high-risk. In comparison to some of the other candidates who had been floated for the job or who were thought to be potential fits, people, for example, like a Brian Dutcher or a Craig Smith. There had been some discussions of Nico Medved. Uh, Dennis Gates had popped up. Porter Mosier probably wishful thinking by people more recently, you see those people as head coaches having lots of success. You can't say that about Ben Johnson, as Ben Johnson in his press conference today when asked kind of what is the the weakness or the worry, he's very upfront about it. He's never called an ATO in a game. Uh, So that's that's the the high-risk aspect of it. Now, the the positives and why Mark Coyle clearly hired Ben Johnson is the second first impression, which is that Mark Coyle clearly has a type that he likes for coaches, and especially his basketball coaches. He likes them to be young. He likes them to be someone who you could easily expect to get into the living rooms and kitchens of any recruit in the state of Minnesota. And he likes them to potentially be someone who has long ties to the university and potentially the state. Ben Johnson absolutely checks off all of those boxes. Uh, He's a fantastic recruiter. He was a fantastic recruiter when he was assistant at Minnesota. He was a solid recruiter at Xavier. He clearly has a vision for the program. He is young. He's his dream school. He described it as his dream job. We have no reason to believe that he's blowing smoke on that front. He's absolutely a Minnesota guy. So if this is a successful hire, it is unlikely that Mark Coyle will be hiring a men's basketball coach for a very long time. And that's the kind of thing you make this hire. So you can look at it from the optimistic side of the house as the primary reason why the Gophers have not gotten to the place they need to get to. And I may disagree with other people on this podcast, but for me, that's making the NCAA tournament at least two to three times every four years is because they haven't consistently gotten the players to make that happen. And while it is definitely the case that both coaching and recruiting do matter and that there's lots of importance of coaching and that Ben Johnson is going to come into the best scouted league in the country, so being a head coach will require learning on the job, at least to some extent, and that is risky. If Ben Johnson is able to consistently pull players like Daniel Oturo, they're going to win a lot of games because talent will will carry the day in a lot of ways. Mark Coyle clearly believes that, and he clearly believes that Ben Johnson has a strong vision for the program. So those are my two main first impressions. Tom, you know, 
I, I think I'm in agreement with Street. This is a high ceiling potential and honestly kind of a lowest floor potential if it if it bombs out. But I think, you know, for me, lowest floor is kind of a relative term because ultimately, I mean, even if your floor is a little higher, if you don't win, it doesn't matter if you get your butt kicked all the time or whether you are mediocre, you're not going to last, you know, past five years anyway. I guess the question I have for you, Tom, is are you comfortable with that kind of hire or were you hoping for something that had a little more um, uh, just common, more, something more in line with conventional wisdom? Um, I don't know. When you put it that way, like I'm not, I don't know. Yes, I'm com- I'm comfortable with this hire if if we can put it that way, right? I'm I'm with Street on on what the question marks are and the concerns that I have, right? To me, it's it's the the term I recently have been putting out there called the Duck Duck Great Litmus Test, where we always want a Minnesota guy. I love that, by the way. I did too. It just kind of came to me one day. Like, if this guy played Duck Duck Great Duck growing up, let's hire him. But right, if Ben Johnson had grown up in Montana. He never would have been a candidate for this job. And that that's kind of the litmus test I've been going with all along is if he's not going to be considered for any other Big Ten job, then why would we consider him here other than just that he's from here? But, and it's a giant but, um, Ben Johnson knows recruiting and he knows the local scene here. And the local scene here has really an inordinate amount of basketball talent for the size of state that we are um and if he can start to land kids and if he can upgrade the overall talent then there's the potential for this to be a real winner right if, if we all assume that it takes kid it takes talent and it takes coaching and if the two of those together you have something special so if you hire a coach who's very experienced knows what he's doing but continues to bring in, you know, mid-level to slightly below average Big Ten talent and is a really good coach, then we're still, you know, sometimes above average, sometimes below average and acceptable mediocre. Now we're bringing in a guy that we believe is going to bring in more talent. We don't know if he can coach. But if he can coach and those two things come together and can, Minnesota continues to put out, Minnesota the state, not the university, continues to put out um, a number of power five caliber players and we start to get them and those kids growing up start to want to play for the U then, then he can build something special. And so Mark Coyle's taking a shot at building something special. So am I comfortable with the hire? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes and you know, what's the worst case scenario We're we're hiring another coach in seven or eight years, like we've done, for the last three decades. So, um, yeah. And I'll be honest, like nobody who was probably realistic for this job among the conventional candidates really knocked my socks off. Um, I wouldn't have been upset with, I wouldn't have wanted Dutcher. He's too old, but, um, you know, any of the other candidates that are, were commonly tossed around, I would have been okay with, uh, and, and I think maybe that's the positive of this for me is is the fact that if it works, it's going to it's likely going to really work. 
Um, and if it fails, even if it fails spectacularly, I mean, anybody could have failed. And I wasn't necessarily all that certain about some of the other, other candidates. Andy, I guess the question I have for you is, do you think um, the leash is a little longer with Ben's history for, for Minnesota? I mean, that you know he's not inheriting quite as bad a situation as Lindsey Whalen took over with the women's team. Um, but I, I know you've, over the course of the day, really kind of looked at this and gone, God, this feels like a real similar choice here. Um, so I'm wondering if you think that the way Coyle handles uh, the development of the program under Johnson will get the same kind of latitude that Lindsey Whalen has gotten. I mean, he'll. It sounds like his contract's going to be for five years. So I think I don't think he's going to get fired unless something epic happens before the five years. I think he'll have the five year window, and unless things are are not getting significantly better, I I would expect he'll probably get a, a an extension or something like that. I mean that. As we've said all along, Ben Johnson can recruit. Uh, you know, supposedly, if you believe what the players and, and the parents are saying, the only reason Amir Coffey, Jordan Murphy, Daniel Arturo were here was, was Ben Johnson. So if he can pull that type of player into the University of Minnesota on a regular basis, um, you know, we should see the talent level rise. The, the question remains, you know, twofold. A, can he coach? Or if he's going to have a steep, steep learning curve, can he bring in assistant coaches that will help him guide him through that process? Um, you know, the example everybody keeps bringing up is, is Juwan hired, hiring Phil Martelli, uh, which obviously has, has paid off in Ann Arbor. Uh, and the second question is going to be is, you know, you're hearing all these Minnesota AAU-connected people saying, all right, we love it, we have a connection with Ben Johnson, whatever. Well, now they need to put their... You don't want to, I don't want to say money where their mouth is, but they have to put their their, play, their players where their mouth is. I mean, they've they've got a guy who they like, who's the coach of the University of Minnesota, who has a relationship with them. All right, it's time to start trying to guide some of these guys to come into Dinky Town rather than every other school, uh, because you know Ben Johnson would would love to pull out the Minnesota kid first. But if, if the AAU programs and things like that are still going to bad talk the University of Minnesota behind his back, like they it sounds like they have been for the last five years under Richard Pitino, you know, then then the then the relationship isn't going to go well. So it, it's sort of a two edged street that you know Johnson has this relationship, but but he has to get some help from the from the basketball soothsayers here in, in the state of Minnesota. Um, you know, as I've said all along, you know, I think the, the similar thing is with Whalen. Um, in this case, at least Ben Johnson's been an assistant for 15 years. You know he's got the assistant chops. Lindsey Whalen came off of a great career, but I don't think she coached a minute in her life before she got the University of Minnesota job. So hopefully, you know, the, the learning curve shouldn't be as steep for Johnson as it is for Whalen. As we've seen, you know, Whalen is starting to get some recruiting. Um, it took a year or two to get going, but now she's she's got you know, some of the top players in the state of Minnesota coming in in the next couple of classes. Um, still isn't getting that, you know, five-star Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs type player. Uh, uh, Zeke Niaji's sister, I can't remember her first name, would be that the example on the women's side. Um, you know, she's not coming to the Minnesota. She's going to, I think, I think Baylor. Um, but the point remains that, you know, if you can pull off the top two or three in this class every year for the next four or five years, you're going to be pulling in some quality players. 
Um, and, and Ben Johnson has proved that he's had uh, NBA caliber players at the University of Minnesota and should be able to do it again. The biggest thing is, is you know, can he do it on a regular basis, and and can they can they coach him up when he gets here? You know, um, you know, I've said all along, I, I you know, I, I think this higher looking back is is. You know, it really is one of those sort of risk-reward type things. I agree with everything we've said. I think the floor is is really low. Whereas, you know, if, if he can't get those type of players to come to Minnesota and he, he doesn't have the coaching chops, it could be an ugly two, three, four years. But I think the ceiling is the highest we've had in recent memory at Minnesota. If everything goes well, if he can get that quality player to come, if he can coach, there's no reason... You know, he was talking about some of his mentors and, and talking about, like, Tom is There's no reason Ben Johnson can't be that type of coach at Minnesota where he's pulling in that type of top talent, and this is his dream job. He's not going anywhere for 20, 25 years. He's, you know, in, in 10 years, we're talking about Ben Johnson in the same breath as we're talking about Matt Painter, and we're talking about, you know, Bo Ryan. We're talking about guys who are the face of a program who have been there long-term, things like that. Now, there's a lot that has to go right before we can get to that level. So I'm not saying that's going to happen or anything like that. But if it does, that's the type of hire we're looking at. Um, you know, so it'll be really interesting to see. I think, you know, I think probably unless we really hit the transfer wire hard, although it sounds like he's already working on that, um, you know, 2021-22 might be a bit of a struggle. But if you give him two or three recruiting classes and he starts pulling in the talent, then I think in, in three years we're going to have a realistic look at just where this program might be on the trajectory for. Tom, one thing that kind of comes to mind through all of this conversation for me is the idea that in a way, you know, when we, sometimes you think about football coaches and they're kind of CEOs. Head coaches are always CEOs in a, in a real sense, but there are definitely football coaches that more or less outsource a lot of their coaching to their assistants, um, but they have a lot more assistance and a lot more support staff generally uh, than a basketball team does. Do you do you think he could succeed simply on a CEO model, bringing in assistants with the right level of talent, or do you think ultimately, you know, his inherent ability as a coach is going to come into play? Uh, I'll take that a little bit. I think I think it's a little different. Well, there's a lot of things that are different than football for all the obvious reasons. But also, in football, things are much more compartmentalized, right? You have an offensive coach, and each position uh, within the offense has their own coach. But you don't have players who are playing wide receiver and then have to, in the same play, transition to to cornerback, right? Like, basketball is much more fluid, and the coaching breakdown of that is not nearly as um, stringent isn't quite the right word but you know what I'm saying it's not it's not as compartmentalized so he's he's you know in my opinion he's going to need someone who can help him manage being the head coach I think that's really important for him right we're back to the Phil Martelli example someone who can help sort of you know, mentor him in some way or at least be that person that he can go to to ask questions if he wants to. Um, and that's really about how does he manage his time between, you know, before as an assistant coach, he had a specific area and certain kids that he was recruiting, but now he's the head coach. So he's in charge of directing 
What type of kid are we going after? Who are we going to go after? Who are we prioritizing? And his three assistants are going to come to him and say, here's, here's the seven shooting guards we want, and here's my analysis of him, and here's another guy saying, here's my analysis of this guy, and he's got to help sort of direct who it is we're going for. Who's the type of player, you know, more specifically than just the Minnesota dudes, but who's the type of player that he's that they want to go after at each position? And here's the guy that we're targeting, and here's the guy that we'll take as a backup, but we can't let the kid know that he's a backup, and how do we massage that, right? Meanwhile, he's also handling media requests, and the media requests are a lot for a head coach of a Big Ten program. And he's directing, you know, overall practice plans, not just worrying about, okay, I've got the point guards, and today I'm going to work on this with them. He's the guy that's got to sort of come up with all of that. So he needs someone who helps him manage that, especially in the first year. And then after that, it's, you know, he's still going to be teaching, right? I, I was in a couple of Patino's practices, and, and he was the main voice in the practice of coaching offense and telling guys here's where he wants people to go. And then they would break up into, into separate groups. So he's still likely going to be the guy teaching frequently, and he needs to find that person that is really strong in the areas where – either he's not as strong or doesn't want to be like maybe he wants to be the offensive guy. So hire a defensive guy and it's not, you know, broken up like an offensive defensive coordinator, but like when they're working on a defensive drill, who's the main voice they're going to hear? Who's the guy that's sort of, that's saying, you know, this is what we want. And, and Ben might be that guy, but the other guy might be the really technical guy that says, no, 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 your feet don't go here, your feet here. And he moves his feet three inches. And then the player realizes what's, you know, what the difference is and how that makes an overall difference to the group. So he needs to find, in my opinion, one guy to help him manage being a head coach, one guy that, that sort of takes the the area that he's weaker in, and then they'll probably end up hiring another recruiting person, right? Somebody who has relationships in an area of the country, you know, probably in the Midwest, but not, where where Ben doesn't have the same contacts. That, that's my guess. Street, you know, I think we've – I know you're not really a, a fan of uh, the give advice to a coach kind of thing because uh, I think your your normal phrasing is, you know, they'll have forgotten more than I will have ever learned in my entire life. But I guess if you had to – if you were somebody who was uh, advising Ben, like what are the the things that he might have to watch out for? Like, I'm not asking you to give him advice. I'm more interested in your opinions of what you think the pitfalls are for a new head coach at the University of Minnesota. Can we briefly not be a family friendly podcast? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Go for I'm it. This, to this asshole fan base, unquestionably. Um, and this asshole fan base in, in the last couple of days, it hasn't just been Ben Johnson, but you know, I have read and seen that Ben Johnson has only been hired uh, because Ben Johnson is black. I've seen that Ben Johnson, you know, is, is super inexperienced and, and won't need, will basically need handholding, which is different to be clear than, than what Tom was saying. Um, it was rather, you know, like this guy is not qualified kind of question the fan base the second that ben johnson doesn't land some recruit that everyone wants even though that fan base probably could not pick said recruit out of a lineup of two uh and depending on the recruit out of a lineup of one 
he'll get a bunch of stick. There will be uh, in both the fan base as well as the media lots of claims the second they lose a game that he's the worst coach ever. Uh, it is difficult to be a head coach at the University of Minnesota because the fans very often have a two-faced relationship. The opposite version of that, the two-faced, is if Ben Johnson wins a bunch of games, there are a lot of people being like he's going to leave at the first opportunity. That, I think, is uh, how to manage that is a, a big challenge. I, you know, I rarely, if ever, disagree with Tom, but I strongly agree with everything that he mentioned in the notion that you know Ben Johnson, in essence, as he said himself, is going to become the CEO of a small organization. And the vast majority of being a CEO is managing relationships. I think Ben Johnson's going to be fantastically good at this. But the biggest relationship that Ben Johnson will have to deal with in something that I could say, like, oh, here's a thing to watch out for, is the relationship that he has with the fan base. Because if he manages it well, for example, P.J. Fleck has more or less managed his relationship with the fan base quite well, uh, he will get not only a large amount of defenders, but he'll also get a lot of people who are willing to kind of extend, extend him slack. If he doesn't, it doesn't affect necessarily you know, any given game or any given year. But I do have to imagine that there is at least some minor effect on if you have a consistently negative fan base year in and year out calling for your job saying you can't coach all of these things uh, that it does make it more difficult to win at a place that's probably the primary thing that I would I would speak to Ben Johnson if you know and I expect it's something that he's already well aware of I think one of the nice bits in not just getting a one of us but also a one of us who was an assistant here not very long ago is that Ben Johnson is well acquainted with both the media and the fans in this town. He got a question in the press conference uh, that was asked by one of the, the media members, I cannot remember who offhand, about you know, Williams Arena being old. And you know how would he pitch it? And like Williams Arena is old. <laughs> Uh, there are aspects of Williams Arena that are not great. But as Ben Johnson mentioned, you know, there's no place in the country that's louder than when the barn is full and rocking. And frankly, quite a bit of the challenges that Ben Johnson will face, both you know on the back end, I suspect from from boosters, from AAU programs, occasionally like high school coaches if they matter, uh, from the fan base, has everything to do with whether or not Ben Johnson wins basketball games. It would be very nice if they won a lot of basketball games next year. I wouldn't bank on it very hard because I think in transitions, it's just hard to win a lot of basketball games. So managing those expectations, I think, is the is the big first thing that I could provide any level of insight on. And the second piece of advice beyond that is uh, ignore any other insight I may claim to provide about your job because I don't have a clue how to do your job. And it would be nice if more people uh, more people took that advice. Touche. <laughs> I think, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm mostly interested if there's an element that any, any, this is for any of you, uh, if there's an element of this, you know, higher in this day that you think we haven't covered. Um, you know, so I, I was impressed by how he handled the media, um, which is not automatically something that you're going to be good at. Um, so that was, I think, uh, nice to see in this town. Um, but I'm, I'm interested. Is there any any 
final thoughts, I guess, that, that y'all want to get through before we uh, return to what was the intended focus, hockey, uh, for the podcast? I'll just say it, it's interesting to see, you know, the way Mark Coyle's hiring philosophy may have changed. You know, his first major hire, P.J. Fleck. Young, up-and-comer, culture, but no ties to the state of Minnesota whatsoever. Now, he's made several other hires, but his now three prominent hires after P.J. Fleck, Bob Motzko, Lindsey Whalen, and Ben Johnson, all have strong ties to the state of Minnesota. Now, in, in each case, the program may have, you know, wanted that and wanted, but it, it's interesting to see how Mark Coyle has gone from, okay, you know, I've got my list of the of the coaches I, I think are the best candidates to, he's literally hired the one of us candidate the last three times. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily a trend that will continue. As I said, I think each individual program may have, have leaned towards the respective candidate that's been hired at the time, and, and it's just been, you know, more extra than anything a coincidence that the one of us candidate has been the one they wanted. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, him basically unintentionally fall into that into that fan trap. I think the the other thing that was very impressive to me and I'm sure it was very impressive to Mark Coyle, he mentioned it at the press conference, is that I think that Ben Johnson will be incredibly comfortable in anybody's living room or kitchen. I think he's very clearly not just a an excellent relationship builder, but he has a very easy way with people. And that is something, yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard Ben Johnson speak for more than, you know, 30 seconds. So given all of the positive sentiments that are coming out, and now very rarely will ever anyone say anything negative about something in this context, but I don't think it's a, oh, people are just saying it to say it. I think there is deep love for Ben Johnson, which will allow him to get into living rooms and kitchens that, frankly, other coaches that have been at the University of Minnesota, certainly since Clem, probably were not able to get into in the same way. And that will serve the basketball program very well. You know, we did touch on it earlier a little bit, but it is important to note that Minnesota is punching well above its weight in top flight recruits and that was not always true but that's a little bit strange because admittedly global warming has changed this a little bit but for most of the history of gopher athletics and athletics in general minnesota has not been amazing at sports for which you need to be outside most of the year to play the sport that it is unquestionably the best at is a sport that requires ice to be on the ground it was always a little bit strange to me on some level why Minnesota was not better at recruiting, uh, at not recruiting, at developing top flight high major recruits because you can play basketball indoors 12 months of the year. And that change, having multiple top level AAU programs that are going nationally, Minnesota will have produced... It's the currently number one recruit in the country who will be going to Gonzaga or going pro. Last year, a top 10, potentially top three recruit who will be going pro. Both of those players coming from the same high school, potentially being top three draft picks in the next couple of drafts. And then if you look at the 2022 class, you've got a just taking kids from Minnesota. You can more or less fill out your lineup with four-star recruits. 
And if you look at the 2023 and 2024 class, there are a lot of top flight recruits there. Having Ben Johnson be someone who not only can get into those living rooms, but establish and develop those relationships gives you a very strong internal pipeline. And if I am wrong, and I very much would like to be wrong, that it is in fact not a, a U-shaped recovery, but rather a V-shape, so very quickly this program is turned around, there's an awful lot of people who are going to be very excited about the basketball program. And I do firmly believe, like Ben Johnson, there is no place in the country, there are places that are as loud, obviously, but there aren't many places that are louder in the country when the barn is rocking. And it, it can be very much an event. It can be the you know, sort of hottest ticket in town. The Timberwolves are going to suck for a long period of time. So that that is a huge positive. That's a very exciting thing. It's the optimistic story that we all tell every time we get a new coach. But I do think that Ben Johnson does provide, with that kind of relationship ability, something that, frankly, Richard Pitino was never able to provide and that Dan Munson was never able to provide. Or Toby. Or Toby, really. yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to that one then. Uh, my thoughts are, I, I echo a lot of what both of you have said. Um, it's always, always, always going to come down to winning matters, right? There is a lot of talent here. Um, and, and forget even the Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgrens of the world and Tyus Jones. Um, just land the guys that are ranked in the 25 to 125th overall. Uh, and there's a lot of them, right? There was three or four kids from Minnesota who were drafted in the first uh, 40 picks of the draft last year, and only one of them was a gopher, um, right? You mentioned there's going to be a top five pick this year from Minnesota, a top five pick next year from Minnesota. But then, the, like you said, that 2022 class has seven four-star kids, right? You don't need all of them, but you need to start landing those, those types of kids on a consistent basis. And Ben Johnson, uh, I'll put it out there now, Ben Johnson for the next two or three years is going to do that. I, I believe that he was hired to do that. He's got the skill set and the relationships and the personality, and there will be some initial excitement for that. And, and I think he'll land a bunch of local quality players initially, but then it's still always going to come down to winning matters. right? The AAU coaches and high school coaches, to be honest, they've complained about Every coach um, since since Clem, um, Dan Monson didn't connect very well with the high school and AAU coaches. Tommy Smith didn't connect with the high school and AAU coaches. Richard Patino couldn't connect with the high school and AAU coaches. And now they got the guy that there's there's no excuse. Ben Johnson has those relationships and will now continue to build those relationships. And if kind of like what Andy was saying, if they're going to continue to sort of say, eh, you know, maybe you should look somewhere else and not. Not that they have to push kids to the University of Minnesota, but it's been pretty apparent that they've been actively pushing kids to other um, programs. And, and every kid's different. They're going to make their choice for different reasons. But but there can no longer be the excuse that, that whoever the head coach of the University of Minnesota is not connecting with the head coaches, the high school coaches and the AU coaches in the state of Minnesota. And if they're going to continue with that line – then at, at this point now, then it, the problem's really going to be on them and not whoever's the head coach of the University of Minnesota, and that's going to become apparent, I think. But back to winning's what's going to matter. He's going to get kids in here, and if he can put them together, 
get the kids playing together and putting them in the right system and we start winning, then things start rolling. And if we continue to struggle, then after two or three recruiting classes, um, those local kids are going to continue to look elsewhere because because they don't want to come play for a 7 and 11 or, you know, nine. sorry, now 9 and 11 when they play 20 games or a 7 and 13 Big Ten program. They're going to go somewhere else. Winning's always what's going to matter. And that's what we have to see if, if Ben Johnson can do. I, I'm excited for the future, though. I am, too. I, I'm going to close with, I guess, one thought that I've had that just in the last couple minutes, as you guys have talked, I've always been very much in the, I don't care where the talent comes from, land the talent. And I think that's a perfectly rational philosophy to have. Uh, I, I do think, however, I'm beginning to wonder if... <sighs> While that's a completely rational philosophy in terms of landing talent, Minnesota is a parochial, I mean, one of us is, is a thing that everyone says for a reason. I think that's dumb, but my thinking it's dumb doesn't change the fact that it's pretty true. <laughs> and so I have to wonder if having a coach who is one of us, quote unquote, who will recruit the local kids um you know if that buys him some goodwill and slack from the fan base or if as you know i think street has pointed out the general willingness to jump to the worst side of things that far too many minnesota fans are capable of if that will happen regardless i don't have an answer for that it's just something that I'm, I'm interested to see play out. Now, the ideal world is that we start winning, um, as Tom has noted, uh, and then everything else falls into place. We don't have to watch it play out. I'd rather not have to know if the negative side of this fan base will jump on Ben Johnson because at the end of the day, like, I think being realistic about his hire can come off as sounding not negative, but certainly ambivalent. And I don't think that's what anybody really feels, or at least anybody on this podcast or anybody on the blog. I don't think anyone's ambivalent. I think, I think we're all excited that Ben Johnson is here. Um, we may have been surprised or whatever, but at the end of the day, this, the ceiling is really high. And I'm the, I, tend to, I trend optimistic because, uh, God, otherwise life is a long place to, to – life is long to live if you're not optimistic, at least some of the time. And, you know, if you want to come at it from that way, like, some really great times could be ahead of us. And uh, so, you know, if you're hearing us, you know, talk about the pros and the cons, we're not ambivalent. We're not negative. We're just trying to be realistic about let's see what we see and then, you know, let Ben do his thing. Let him become the head coach. I mean, he is the head coach. Let him do the head coach work and let it play out and give him the support as fans and be excited and, you know, it's uh, go Gophers, basically. So we're going to leave you with a little cliffhanger of a podcast today. The hockey and all the other great stuff that's been going on will be coming in a second edition of the Sky U podcast this week. That's right. This is a two Sky U podcast week for you listeners and friends of the blog. So look forward to that. In the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma. Row the boat. <laughs>